just when you think about, you know, uh, yourself, in that last verse, and said, oh, that day when free from sinning. And um, boy, what a day. Um, and I know it says the word sovereign grace there, and that's not to be distorted the way people have. Um, but uh, we're not saved upon the grounds of faith, right? Faith is the means. Grace is the grounds upon which we are saved. And um, so uh, by faith, through faith. So thank God for His grace. If it wasn't for His grace, you could have all the faith you want to have. God wouldn't save you, right? It's a gracious God that chooses to be just and the justifier of the ungodly because He sure don't have to. And uh, I thank God for that. But in the cross, when the just died for the unjust, now he can still be just in the justifier, right? He doesn't in any way, uh, it doesn't uh, compromise his character in any way to justify the ungodly. Uh, and uh, the Catholics have attempted to reconcile those verses out of Proverbs. But you don't have to if you understand the cross, right? That's the payment that he paid in himself uh, to pay your debt. So the debt's been paid. Uh, God didn't just overlook it like it didn't happen. Somebody paid the penalty. Somebody paid the fine. Uh, so the just demands of a righteous God were paid on your behalf. And if you don't get in Jesus, you'll stand before God to answer for them yourself. And that day it will not excuse you because as you seek, as Job said, to justify yourself, you show yourself perverse. Even thinking that you could stand before God and argue your own case. You show how messed up you are. That's what Job said. Anyway, that's not the message. So thank God for his goodness. Thank you, Taylor, for being willing to sing. I know that's difficult. But we'll go to our Bibles in chapter number 2 of the book of Second Peter. And um, appreciate the Lord's help this morning from the book of Romans. Um, I just, you know, think um, every time I read through it and every time I go through the book of Romans, there's always something different that I'm able to see from it. And I appreciate God's faithfulness to us to allow us the uh, privilege to uh, have the um, illumination of the mind, to be able to understand. Because the Bible said um, that it's not entered the hearts, entered the hearts and minds of man, what God has in store for them. But the Bible says, but he has revealed them unto us. So we can't forget that part. And so God, by His Spirit, allows us to, to, to dive in and to understand on an, on a, on an intimate level beyond the, 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 the mind, beyond the simple ascension to a set of facts and agreement to it. He allows us to know truth in an intimate way. Uh, and that's, to me, a, a, a great, to, um, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Isn't that, is that what He said He was preaching? You're preaching something that's unsearchable? <laughs> well, how, how do you make that? How are you going to expound that to me, Brother Shane? How am I going to expound unsearchable riches? <laughs> I don't know. The Spirit of God will have to do it. Won't he? He'll have to uh, reveal it to you. So anyway, appreciate the Bible. That's our uh, guide and our lamp and our light to get us through this dark time and this dark world. And I appreciate the truth of the Word of God. And, and um, we're uh, seeing several reasons in the book of Second Peter uh, um, of why we should um, uh, take heed, where the Bible said you have a more sure word of prophecy where you do well to take heed to the Word of God uh, because God said, um, I've called you my friends. Is that not what Jesus said? 
um, uh, you're not just simple servants. Uh, you, you're my friend. I'm telling you things. You, I'm revealing things to you that a person only reveals to their friends, right? He, he, he brought them into that intimate relationship and understanding of, and that's what God's doing to us in the Bible. God is revealing to us uh, some things about the time so that we won't be caught in it. Uh, God tells us things about sin so that we don't get involved in it. He tells us the end of things and he shows us the ways and he gives us the book of Proverbs of how uh, we should walk and how we should live and conduct ourselves in, in this life. And he does that for a purpose. And so he tells us in the word of God in chapter number one, uh, in this great uh, truth that we have in this canon of scripture, the word of God um, is God's revealed book to us to let us know not only all about himself, uh, but all about us, right? The book, uh, the Bible is a book about Jesus, but it's also a book about men and their inability to reconcile themselves to their creator uh, and their fallen uh, place in life. And so the greatness of Jesus and the great tragedy of mankind. Uh, but uh, anyhow, so um, he gives us this, and you see that word in chapter one's been laid out quite extensively in one form or another. There's no or knowing or not knowledge several times in the first chapter, and it's ended here in a great reminder to take heed to the Word of God, and that's how we know everything that we know, uh, is the Spirit that searches the deep things and does know the mind, He reveals us to us through the Word of God, the things of Christ, and so thank God for that. And so He deals with that in the first part, uh, or the last part of chapter number 1. And uh, he talks about the uh, standing that we should have and then the scriptures and knowing our standing. You're going to need to know that. You're going to need to know in whom you have believed. Because the time is coming when the, uh, there are many antichrists that he's already said. And uh, there's going to be people that are drawn away. Right? There's a great falling away coming. And it's only manifested they go out from us because they were not all of us. And so in the last days, he said it's going to intensify where false prophets are going to come and they're going to arise and look like they're, they're one of you. They're going to claim to be like you. Uh, and so they're going to come in a cloak in a, in a way that you don't see them uh, quite as clearly, but they're not true prophets. And so you need to know how to identif identify them, right? So he gives us a scripture and said, know where you stand. You got to know that you stand by faith in Jesus Christ. That, you have to know that. You've got to know you're a saved man. You've got to know you're born again. And then he goes on to tell them to that, add to that, right? So the adding is not part of the salvation. So you look at it and say, well, I'm not adding. I'm not saved. No. Do you believe in Jesus? That's where you stand. Right? And you're not made perfect by that either. You've begun in the Spirit, and you're made perfect by the Spirit. Right? And that will result in works. Um, because it's profitable unto men, as before ordained you should walk in that. Uh, but that's not the basis upon which I, uh, I, I base my salvation. Uh, my, the basis of my salvation when I come to the end of my cell is, Oh Lord, oh Jesus, oh, 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 oh thou that dwellest between the cherubim. God is my only hope and stay. Right? And so um, uh, that's what he wants them to be assured of. You've got to, and so he dealt in the first book about suffering and getting through suffering. 
And then he comes back with some encouragement and saying, you know in who you stand. You've got to have, uh, uh, um, uh, you've got to be sure, right? You've got to be stabilized. You can't be tossed around every day. You have a bad day. You're lost. You're saved. You're lost. You're saved. You're lost. You're saved. You've got to know you're born of God, right? And stand in that. And, uh, 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 and then God grows you as dear children, right? My children are not perfect. I give them commands and I tell them what to do because they are not perfect, right? Uh, that's the reason for any law, really, right, is to show uh, some things about yourself. But anyhow, and so God uh, gives us these things and tells us to grow, but you, you, this is a part of growing and not a part of your salvation. So works are a result of faith, right? Don't get the tail, uh, uh, the car before the horse. And so uh, then he, he ends that chapter in the Word of God. And then in verse number two, he calls, here's, here's what you need to know. In those days, there were false prophets in those days. They overcome them in those days. Now, so you also, don't worry about, well, uh, because almost it's like, well, who do you believe anymore? Everybody's got an opinion on this and that. And who am I supposed to trust? Who, who's right? How do I? You got the Word of God to guide you, right? So stick to the Word of God. And you don't have to, you can just say, well, let all men be a liar. They're, they're probably all wrong. God's right. right. And so you try everybody by the word of God. And so uh, uh, he said, now, it's so much important, not only uh, that you, so, so that you can know where you stand and so that you can add to your faith and all those things that we, uh, it's a light to light you through this dark world. But then also you need to know uh, not just what to listen to, but what not to listen to, who to avoid. See, that's the part of Christianity people don't like. I love fellowship. I absolutely love it. I was just talking to Brother Allen about how we need the church. I've talked to Brother Shane about that. We need each other. I need that. And, and, and if you quit, that's discouraging to me. I'm over here fighting a battle. Well, that's one less fighter. It's discouraging. But in the same way, you get on fire for God, and it encourages me. Hey, uh, this one's going on with God. That encourages me to go on. We need each other, and I'm for that. I'm for anybody that calls on God out of a pure heart. I want to be in fellowship with them. I want to help them. I want to be a helper of their joy. I want to love them. I want them to love me. I want them to help me, encourage me when I'm down. I want to encourage them when they're down. And all those things are vital to our survival or I should say our success in the Christian life. You, no man's an island to himself, and you cannot be, except for extreme circumstances in which God uses missionaries and things, you need God's church to be who you're supposed to be. Just like I need my spouse. I can't be, I can't be the, the man God's called me to be apart from her. Right? I need her. <laughs> and she needs me. She can never be what she's supposed to be without me. Right? And so uh, it's the same way with the church. We need each other. We, we, we've got to have each other. And that's wonderful. But there are some, there also in the same respect, we have to come to that place where we realize there's a whole lot of people I'm not going to be in fellowship with. All right? So you got to know the truth, and you got to say, okay, these people, I want to be in fellowship with them. I want to be, but they, this, this crowd over here, these people over here, they are dangerous. And so we don't get along with them. They're dangerous. What makes them dangerous? Well, he's going to go on to tell us what makes them dangerous, and we'll look through it quickly. All right? So we are in chapter number two, and we're remembering the fallacy of the pernicious. And so he talks about recognizing their fallacy. Uh, and so in verse chapter one, we dealt with standing in scriptures. Here we're going to deal with the seducers and the self-willed. And so in the first part of the chapter, he talks about them that will privately lead you away with these damnable heresies. And many will follow that. And the way of truth will be even spoken of in verse two. And here's the kind of people they are. 
are. Through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. And uh, God said, look, I'm going to judge that crowd. Don't you worry about it. Here's what I did in Lot's day to that bunch. Here's what I did in Noah's time. And then he comes in that great verse where he left off kind of uh, last time we were here. But God knows how to deliver us, right? And so don't worry about it. He spared Lot. He got Lot out of there. And uh, he got Noah and his family out of there. And I want to encourage you, as dark as it is today, and the judgment of God's probably falling against this nation, I know one group of people is going to make it all right. And that's God's church. That's the only group I know is going to make it. Everybody else, I don't know about you. Uh, but God's church, I know God's going to deliver them. Don't you worry about that. And so uh, um, the Lord knoweth how to deliver in verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. And then he says at the end of verse 9 now, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. All right, so he starts out in that verse and says, now look, you better get serious about this thing. People take a, a very lax view of their Christian life. They get the idea somehow that if I just repeat this prayer and I get saved and I won't go to hell and then I can live any way I want to. Well, number one, you probably aren't saved and you probably didn't get saved. That was your attitude. But that's the wrong attitude to have about the Christian life. We enter into a personal relationship with the God of heaven. Every day. It's a growth every day. It's just like in a marriage where I thought, I, well, I should use it the other way around. It's probably more accurate. She thought she knew me, and she's found out a whole lot more about me this 20 years later, somewhere thereabout. Average, somewhat, 19 and above. All right? So um, it's that same thing. We grow in our grace and in our knowledge of the Lord. That's not just simply knowing facts about who Jesus was theologically. Right? To know him. Paul said that, that I may know him. Right? So um, uh, here's, here's what he says. Now, so we got to pull that little part out of there, and he kind of throws that in. And dealing with judgment, I want to encourage you, don't you worry about that because I'm gonna, I'll get you, I, I know how to deliver you through that. So don't worry about that. I'm going to deliver you, and, and, and I believe that was talking about the rapture of the church, and we covered that. Then in verse, at the very end of that verse, he talks and he switches back to this crowd uh, that, is, uh, that he's mainly dealing with to reserve the unjust. So he leaves talking about the godly and delivering them out, but then he goes back and turns to the ungodly, and he said, now I've got some words to say about this crowd. And he says, this crowd, this ungodly crowd, just as God knows how to reserve us, God knows how to preserve us, God knows how to get us through hard times, he is reserving a group of people for some wrath. That's what he said. And, um, and so here's what I want you to take notice of. It's just like in chapter number two. And again, I'm not trying to give uh, any assurance to anybody that don't need it. But I am going to say there's people that struggle in their salvation experience because at times they fail. And every time they fail, they think they're lost. And they really go on. They're never stabilized. They're never solid on the foundation that you aren't saved by what you're doing and not doing. Do you believe on the name of the Son of God? That's the question. That is the question. And you can go back 20 years and try to find out if you want to. The real question is, do you believe on Jesus today? That's the question. I don't know what happened 20 years ago when you were six. And you probably don't either, right? I don't know. We can go back and get so confused over our past. What you've got to look to is today. Do I believe on Jesus? That's the most important question of the hour. And so he, uh, and, uh, and those that do, and then now he turns to this ungodly crowd. So I want to say something about this crowd that he's going to talk about here. Don't isolate a piece of this and make it fit yourself. Unless you're an ungodly person. Because what he's going to go on to describe about these people, they have all of these characteristics, not one. Now, we don't need to have any characteristics of these if you're saved. Amen. Right? That don't belong in the life of any Christian. 
Let it not be once named among you as become a saint. That doesn't belong. So I'm not changing that, but here's what I am going to say. This is a special group of people he's dealing with in chapter 2. This is not people that just that made a mistake. These are workers of iniquity. These are people who make it a business out of loving unrighteousness. They, they, are, they are ungodly people. They don't, they, don't, uh, um, they don't come to this place because here's where people twist this verse up. We're going to get to it. I jump out ahead of myself, Brother Jay. But um, he, they, this next verse is going to come up and it's going to say, Having eyes full of adultery and able to cease from sin. And they say, well, uh, I'm not saved because I can't quit this sin or that sin. Well, listen, the Bible reveals about you until God takes you out of here and we're waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our bodies in a way you'll never stop sinning. I can talk to a man 80-something years old called to preach, been preaching 50-something years, and he can tell you he had trouble today. Right? So, so he didn't cease from sin either. And so what I'm trying to say here is don't isolate that part out and say, oh, okay, well, since I can't stop such and such and such and such. Now, here's what Paul said, because I don't want to comfort you. Really, I will not be brought under the power of any. So there's no excuse for you to be brought under the power of sin. There's no excuse for you to be overtaken in a fall, right? But that's not what's being dealt with here. This is a special group of people who have no, they can't help but be what they are. They're not even torn up about it. They're excusing it. They're like Romans chapter number two. They have no problem with unrighteousness. They obey unrighteousness. They love the wages of it. They're ungodly people. These aren't people that make a mistake that day and they go home crying saying, oh God, please help me, forgive me. That's not this crowd. Right? In fact, they're trying to find ways, and it reveals a lot about the angel, about the devil, because the angels fell with him. He wasn't satisfied going by himself. He had to take somebody else with him. And that reveals the nature of these false prophets. They're not satisfied with the wrath that's coming to them. They want to take people down with them. And so what I'm trying to tell us is we have to be careful of the company that we keep because misery loves company. And if somebody else is going down, don't you go down with them. And you cannot keep unholy relationships with ungodly people who are going to take you down. And, uh, and so that's what he says here about these people. They're, they're false. They, they have a sense of godliness, but they are not godly. They're not saved. They aren't Christians that had a bad day. <laughs> and uh, neither are they in Romans chapter number 2. Uh, and I'm not making a light of that. I hate to say that because I don't ever want anybody to think that I'm making excuses for anybody to do wrong. But the fact is we do. So we can deny it and ignore it and lose, lose any credibility with the world because they know what we really are. Or we can be honest and face it and say, look, none of us are any good. Jesus is good. Right? We're all a mess. <laughs> Our only hope's in Him. and We're only here shouting because of Him. I'm only thanking God because of Him. He's the one that's done it all. Jesus paid it all. Right? And, uh, so yeah, you're right. If you want to you try to justify yourself based on my actions, I'll give you plenty of excuses to quit. Probably for the days out. <laughs> you got, that's why you can't look to me, but looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so this, like the songwriter said, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. So, Lord, don't let my heart be drawn away because that's what happens to a man. That's what happens to us. If we lend ear and we fellowship and we have relationships with these kind of people, they're going to draw our hearts away. We need our hearts sealed from that kind of stuff. None of us are strong enough to withstand this kind of bombardment day in and day out. And people say, well, Jesus sat with sinners. Yeah, but he didn't sin with them. 
right? And there was a certain crowd you didn't catch him sitting with. The crowd that messed up and the crowd that was sorry, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm a mess. I need God's help. I'm no good. I'm unclean. I need God's help. That crowd God said Jesus sat with. The crowd that thought they were better than everybody and they said they had no sin, he said, therefore your sin remaineth. You didn't see him spending time with that bunch. There's no help for you. I, came to, I didn't come to call the righteous, so since you're so good and righteous, I got no business with you. I came to come to call the unrighteous because they needed a physician. Those that are whole don't need a doctor, so you're fine. Good luck. <laughs> That's what he tells them. Well, in southern language, anyway. All right. So we got to keep that in mind. He's dealing with seducers. He's dealing with self-willed. He's dealing with lost men. That if even here's what here's what I think. I'm getting way ahead of myself here, um, but here's what I think about these people. These are people that have gone a step beyond. And have any of y'all ever seen a friend that started out and they started doing something wrong? And they knew they were wrong. They started out like, hey, like I know this is wrong. You pray for me. God help me. And then before long, they were reveling in it. It was like, not only are they somehow excusing it, they're going to try to get you to do it too. You take a new step into depravity when you start trying to get others to be involved with the filth you're doing. It's one thing to struggle with things and have problems in the flesh and go to God and get in your prayer closet and ask God to help you and to grow and all those things. That's one thing. But it's quite another when you start trying to inflict that on other people and draw them into that mess. Right? That's a whole new level of depravity. And that's what these people are. They, they, they're not just, you know, sinners that mess up and have problems and need help. They've gone beyond that. They're trying to recruit people to come with them. They're deeply, they're, that's why the Bible says God hates the workers of iniquity. That's these people. It's their job. They get paid for it. That's the language used here. They love the wages of unrighteousness. They, they have a heart for things that are wrong, and they want people to join them with it. They, they revel in that kind of thing. They love uh, the unrighteousness. They don't obey the truth. They obey unrighteousness, right? Romans chapter 2. So this crowd is a special group of people. I'm not going to say that they're reprobated or whatever. I'm just saying they're definitely a special group of wickedness. They're particularly evil. So I, I want to warn you, if you're invo- it's one thing to be involved in something, but don't you go trying to recruit people to go along with you to do it. You'll bring upon yourself real swift destruction from God. And that's what these people brought upon themselves. God's reserving them for a day of punishment. They, they, and so he says, chiefly, that's why I say that. These are a special group. These are basically he's saying, but mainly when I'm talking about ungodly people, he said that yes, you look at Noah's day, there was probably, they were all, you know, worldly, they were all untogether unclean, uh, but there was probably a group that was especially evil. That's kind of what he's saying here. He's kind of saying, but chiefly, when God knows how to reserve the ungodly, and he's going to punish the ungodly, make no mistake about it, the heathen in the the jungles of Africa that refuses to accept the creator behind the creation is going to get punished from God. That's just no doubt about that. Uh, But this crowd is going to get some special attention. Right? (laughs) People have a tendency when they get out and they start doing stuff wrong in order to somehow relieve themselves of that guilt, if they can get other people to get involved with them. It'll make them feel better about themselves. If I can get Brother Clint to fall too, then I, you know, it makes me feel better, because then it's like, see, he's no better, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just like him. And see, they can bring everybody else down to their level. If they can bring the truth and others down to their level, it makes them more comfortable in being what they are. So, these people are 
particularly evil. Well, why are you laboring that, Brother Clinton? This don't really seem important. It is vitally important because they are going to do everything they do that they can to try to seduce you and to be messed up with them. And they're not easily to see. You have to really look and watch them. It's hard to see that Joel Osteen's a false prophet when he's got a smile that goes from here to here. Right? He looks so encouraging. He even sells a little thing you can push play, and it'll give you 30 or 40 quotes a day uh, about being encouraged, about how God wants you to be rich and everything. Sounds like a great guy, doesn't he? He's as wicked, he's more dangerous than the man running the liquor store down here. He traffics in souls. He's a lot more dangerous than somebody that drinks liquor. He's as dangerous as the devil himself because he's not satisfied with his own unrighteousness. He wants to get you involved with it. You better stay away from people like that. Have no company with them. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. You've got to stay clear of that crowd. And, and, and don't let that get a bitter, hateful, mean, rude spirit in you. But it's just the facts. Look, I'm no better. My flesh is no better than your flesh, sir, that's doing this. And so if, I, if, I'm, if I'm around that stuff you're around, I'm liable to do it too. Because my flesh is no better than yours is. So my, my, uh, my ability to overcome comes long before the temptation. My ability not to do what that man's doing came long before I was faced with the situation. It is a determination I made of myself to walk godly. To set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Right? And so the, the, these, the only hope we have is to avoid being around those kind of people because your flesh is weak, it's vile. Uh, even Jesus said, for the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. So these people, chiefly them that walk after the flesh. So let me just uh, say, um, we realize what is feigned, what is uh, uh, imagined, what is fictitious, and what they're saying. But now we've got to look at their ways. We've got to look at their sins, their deeds. And you'll start to, you'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears. And so this, is, this falls in line with all of them. And we see in, starting in about verse number 10, um, I wasn't sure how to say this because there's two ways you can take it. Uh, so I'll say we, we, have, we need to reject the fallen, but then there's also clearly stated a rejection of the fallen. So God is obviously rejecting these people, but we should reject them too. Right? They're not pals. I don't wish them good luck. Uh, that nothing made me any matter than seeing people encouraging the universalists to come into Rome County. That's the most wicked crowd. They're ungodly, and they're, they'll drag people down to hell quicker than any liquor store will. They're dangerous people because they'll make them think that they're okay, and they'll lull them to sleep, and they'll end up in the same place the drunk's going. At least the drunk knows he needs to get right with God. These people are religious. They, they, they cover it up, and, uh, and, 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 and how they operate is they, they cover their traps with religion. You know what a trap is. You know, when you're, when, if you're uh, trapping something, uh, what you want to do is put leaves or something over it so the unsuspecting animal won't see it when he walks in. Right? And so that's how they hide their traps. They cover it with religion. They put a Bible verse on it. Right? <laughs> well, this is a Christian company that makes these bikinis, so it's okay. <laughs> no. Oh, boy, I lost there, didn't I? Right? No, just sprinkling a little Christianity on it doesn't make it right. right? We got we got uh, putting a Bible verse uh, on your company uh, website and you're selling liquor. And that doesn't make it right. That's what they're doing is putting a little cover over their trap because when they get your foot in that thing, you're as good as dead. But they got you to ignore that by, by throwing a sprinkling a little religion on top of it. You better watch these people. 
There's some people out. There's people out here preaching and claiming to love Jesus. Even Paul said, I tell you, and I, I'm even uh, to a degree sorry about this. He said, there's many that walk. Many are walking. But I tell you now, they're the enemies. Right? So you young people especially, you get out there and say, well, this person says they're a Christian. I don't care what they say. You, you judge them by this book. Well, this man seems like a good fellow, and he's telling me, you know, Jesus wasn't really God. I don't see how it makes a difference, really, if you think about it. I mean, Jesus is still the Savior. You don't think it makes a difference? That the sacrifice wasn't perfect? I mean, how could you, when God looked upon the whole world and he said, there's none that doeth good, there's none that understandeth, they're altogether unprofitable, they're, they're, they're unclean in the best five minutes of their day, and you think one of them died for your sins of the whole world? No, it took a perfect sacrifice from a perfect God and a perfect Savior to appease the just demands of a perfect God. <laughs> Hallelujah for Jesus. Now, we got to get going. All right, so we got to reject the fallen. And so he says, chiefly, he's talking about these unjust ones. He said, um, uh, talking about these unjust and these ungodly, they walk after the, after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. And so I'm going to try to follow some of these. Uh, they, the, the flesh is what leads them. It's, it's, it's all about feeling. You better watch a crowd that's always con controlled by their feelings. And say, and they try to get you to say, well, because I've had people tell me this, brother, saying, well, it's kind of like if it feels good, do it. If it feels right, it must be right. Right? That's crazy thinking. But these people are controlled by feelings. They're, they're controlled by the flesh. The flesh leads their decision-making process. So when, 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 you, when, you, when you, even when you hear them preach, because I think this is talking about false prophets, but there are people that can come, come this way. They, they work themselves into positions of power. Because of prosperity. They want position and popularity and power. That's what they want. You got another P for that? Popularity. <laughs> That's what they want. So I do believe it's talking to agree about these about false prophets, preachers and, and people that are in that position and trying to and but they're really unclean. But also we have to be warned the same way now. You gotta watch people uh, that, that 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 manifest these kind of characteristics. You don't want to be uh, in close relationships with people that are controlled by their flesh. Right? You can't, the flesh can't lead uh, your decision making. And that's what happens to a lot of people. They're always going around looking to make decisions of what's, what makes them feel better. Well, it's not about you feeling better. It's not about you even being happy. It's about bringing glory to God and what's the will of God, right? And, but they're controlled by the flesh. And, because remember, they're trying to buy you, and the cost to get you is truth. So they're compromising the truth in order to gain your following. And so what they'll do is they'll water down the truth. They'll change the truth so that you can meet it to get the numbers. Because not, I mean, you look around our day, brother, uh, however, not many people are flocking to places that preach holiness. God is love. God's some hippie that's sitting up in heaven with his little ukulele and long hair and, and about uh, 20 pounds uh, and this little skinny looking thing that they've painted on these uh, crucifixes, which are ungodly, by the way. Uh, but uh, that's the idea that they have, that God's just this loving and accepting of everybody. No, he's not either. Right? No, he's not accepting of everybody, and we shouldn't either. This crowd right here is do will do anything, and they will lower any truth in order to gain your approval. And a man like that ought to have zero respect from you, and you ought to turn your ear away from people that are willing to change the truth to keep your friendship. Woo! 
A man that loves you is a man that will take his big bony finger and look you around the eyeballs and say, you're the man. Can you imagine going to David? I'm not, listen, David's not a man that just talked about beating people. I've talked to some people, and they've, they've come that close to whooping everybody in East Tennessee. Never done nothing. That wasn't David. David wasn't just talking about it. David would cut your head off, and then he'd cut your brother's heads off just so they didn't grow up and be just like you. That's the kind of man this was. And Nathan went up to him in the name of God and said, you're the one that's done it, my friend. Boy, that's a man that loves you. That's hard to do. Nathan didn't like doing that. I about guarantee you that. He loved David. But he loved God's truth. He wasn't going to compromise it for no king. And we have to, hey, that's why it's so important to say, well, I don't know why these preachers are always harping on this stuff and it bothers people and they won't come. Then they'll just not have to come. I'm not changing the truth to make anybody in here happy or anybody online happy. My job is not to make people happy and make you feel good about the mess you're in. That's not my job. My job is to tell you what God thinks about it and try to do everything in my human power to try to help you get there. That's my job. <laughs> right? Whew. Boy, I appreciate men like that in my life, Brother Shane, don't you? They just love me enough to say, boy, I, I, I'm telling you, somebody that loves you, you ought to hold fast a friend that will tell you the truth. There are few and far between. These people are not that way. They're not going to tell you the truth. They're going to change the truth. They're going to keep the truth from you. They walk after the flesh. They're presumptuous. Look at, look at the degree they've come to. They're, they're bold and arrogant in their ways. They're, they've gone beyond the... This is what I was saying earlier. It's one thing to be ashamed of what you're doing and what you think and, what you, and, you, and you go to God in private and you're dealing with something and some sin in your life. I mean, that's one thing. These people are presumptuous. They're bold and arrogant about their supposed liberty. That always troubles me. Somebody wants to tell me, well, I, I'm able to do this because I'm not under the law. You don't have a, you've not read a Bible. You probably just heard that. Uh, you saw that on a T-shirt. You don't know your Bible. Just say, make statements like that. The law, grace wasn't given so that you could sin, right? I mean, grace wasn't given so that you could feel, you know. No, that, that's, that's not at all what it is. In fact, grace rises you above the law because the law couldn't touch your conscience. But love can. Wow. Okay, we've got to go on. I don't want to touch that. Now, all right, because I want to get to something real quick. We, we're not going to do another two-hour deal like last week, okay? All right. Refuse, refuse to, some of you are laughing, know what I'm talking about. Uh, they're presumptuous. They're bold. They're arrogant in, this, in their rebellion. That, that, that's a, that's a, uh, a mark of somebody who's really taken a different, they've taken, a, a, they've, gone, they've taken their depravity to a new level. They're rebellious people. The lawlessness in our streets is due to these kind of people right here. Look at, uh, at verse number 10. They're presumptuous are they self-willed. They're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. They have no, they're, they're so arrogant and bold. I, I, I get trouble. I, I saw this one thing, and I, I'm going to move on past this, but I saw this one thing, uh, Brother Jones, where this guy uh, got online, um, he, he was on TV, and I, I, one of you may even know his name, but he stood up there and he had a prayer with this woman preacher. Then I'll tell you something's bad, wrong, right off the bat. And then he had a fellow on this side, and he was standing there, and he had so much Botox, his mouth never moved. He was talking. I thought, man, his, his, his face ain't even moving. This guy's dead. And uh, he started talking. This voice started coming out, and he started saying this. So he was scary to even look at. And he started saying things, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. He started doing all that stuff. Let me tell you something. People like that are wicked. 
I'm not rebuking Satan. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fooling around with demons and devils and, and speaking boisterously and proud uh, about things that I understand not. And the same word there, that, because Jude alludes to these kind of things, but I think it's also talking about those that are in authority. They have no problem speaking evil of authority. Because they're rebels, they don't want authority. Remember in the very first part of the chapter, he said they deny the Lord that bought them. They deny lordship. They don't want ruled over. They don't want anybody to tell them what to do. You are a rebel, and that's a sin as as wicked as witchcraft. <laughs> say, well, I'm not doing as bad. I'm not doing all that. If you're a rebel, you are. Rebelling against revealed truth willfully. That's what these people are doing. And presumptuous, they're bold about it. I've got liberty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, good luck with that. This is the type of people they are. So you got liberty to sin. Well, man, you got something different. Come on now, don't die on me. If your father gives you permission to live in sin, you got a different father than I do. My daddy won't even let me get by with thinking about doing it. Right? Salvation's got a common, I, I wonder, around you about the things that accompany salvation, a common salvation. Right? And, and these people, they don't have that. They don't care what God thinks about it. They're not going to be ruled over by nobody. This is a, a special kind of crowd. And as we go along, we're going to see these type of antichrist type people that's, that are doing it by claiming to be part of us. They, they, we are going to identify them and their denial of the lordship and rule of Jesus Christ in the hearts of people. Just mark them down. They ain't no good. And that's what the Bible said. What do you mean I'm supposed to look at somebody and put a mark on them? You better. Mark them so that you don't ever forget about it. Mark, that's what a mark is, right? It'd be like me walking down here. Can I do that for a point of illustration today, Hunter? No. I was going to put a big check mark on his forehead. Then wouldn't want nobody ever forget. But that's what he's saying. Mark them and avoid them. So when you see that mark and say, oh, I know that, but I know all about this mess. You ain't going to get me. And you walk around this way. Right? Mark them and avoid them. They're not your friend. They're not your pal. Be worried about people like that. Be worried about preachers that are trying to be your pal, your buddy, your friend, and change truth to make it comfortable. I see a lot of youth pastors do things like that. To try to win young people, they try to make Jesus cool and acceptable to teenagers. Jesus isn't cool. Right? Now, I want to be balanced in my presentation of him because he's balanced. He's loving and he's just, but I'm not going to make him cool so that you'll like him. If you don't like him because he's not cool, then you'll just have to go to hell with the rest of them. Right? You better say amen to that, you two. Now, chiefly these wicked people, watch them. Young people, are you listening? Watch them people and stay away from them. Don't even say, well, you know, it's all right. We'll just go out to eat a little bit. They're not going to affect me. They will affect you. You can't be around people that are trying to actively get you to go the wrong direction. You just can't. Why? Because you're better than them? Lord, no. Because you're liable to do the same thing. Right? That's the attitude there. And so um, we got to reject the fallen. Now, the presumption, they, they, they don't want ruled over. Uh, and and that's, that's, I got on Hitler because I was thinking about his, his desire to want to rid the world of the conscience that he felt was a, something that was created by the Jews. See, he didn't want somebody telling them something's wrong. That's what's wrong when you kids, if any of you young people are in college, that's what a lot of these, uh, these psycho leftists, this is the way they believe. They don't want any, any objective truth or any, any objective absolutes. They don't want anything absolutely right or absolutely wrong. They don't want anything to tell them you shouldn't be a pervert. 
They don't want to hear that. They just want to live in accordance to however they feel. If it, if it feels good to me, if I feel like a woman, I want to say I'm a woman. Well, you can't because God said you're an abomination. That's disgusting. You're a man. Biology says that. You just can't do it. Now, you're welcome to do it if you want to, but you're not going to expect me to do it, right? But that's what they want. They want to remove. That's why, that's why they've gone into this, this gender pronoun mess and using people's proper pronouns. How ridiculous. What kind of egghead liberal sat around and thought about the idea that me and you had to call somebody by what gender they feel like they want to be today? That's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know if y'all ever hear stuff like that, but it absolutely blows me out of the water. This is crazy. This world's gone nuts. They've gone crazy. They, they don't want anything to remind them that they're wrong. So if they, can, if, they can, if they can do away with Bible preaching and they can do away with the truth and make it illegal for you to say something and they can attack you and threaten you with bodily harm and they can tell you and make you uh, uh, go along with their uh, delirious ideas, they have mental problems and they want you to go along with it and you don't fix somebody that's got a mental problem by telling them they're okay. Right? But that's the way the world wants to operate. Why? Because they want to get rid of the conscience. They hate the fact that there's something inside of them that tells them they should not work men with men and that which is unseemly. There's something inside of them that if they haven't seared it yet, God is, that is condemning them saying this is wrong. And they want to get rid of that, especially when you're standing there preaching it. They really don't like it. Hey, they ain't going to do it. We're just going to stand for the truth, Brother Tony, if they kill us. The world's got enough perverts that need some people that will stand up for something that's right. <laughs> when I got to wanting to get right with God, I didn't want some crazy man tell me, hey, look, it's all right if you're on dope. It's all right if you're this and that. And don't worry about it. It's okay. I wanted somebody to tell me what God thought about me because I knew it wasn't right. <laughs> And I'm telling you, the world wants that too, to a degree. If their conscience ain't seared, they want the truth, some of them. And we got to get it to them. Now, we're getting off on this thing. But I'm just stirred up a little bit. This stuff stirs me. Oh, it just makes me, it really, uh, you know, the Bible says, be angry and sin. No, it really makes me angry because you can't help people that have a problem without getting them the truth. You can't get, help people in darkness without bringing them some light. Right? <laughs> So if we, if, we, if we hinder the light, if we hide away the light, there's no hope for these people. Right? We've got we to gotta stand out for the truth. We've got to be that, uh, set up on a hill for the whole world to see what it's like to live godly and holy and righteously in this present world. It's a rebuke to them. That's why they hate it. So they walk into the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. The flesh is guiding their every decision. They despise government. Government's divinely ordained of God, is it not? Government's proper and right. It's, they're, they're, they're working for the Lord when they carry out judgment on this earth. That's what the Bible said. They're ministers, right? So uh, these people that are parading up and down in our streets, uh, declaring freedom from anything that's right, if they can just all live like a bunch of animals, uh, then they, they, they'll, they'll be happy. Uh, these are people, they despise government. That's why they attack the government, because the government says, no, you don't have the right to burn down somebody else's building because they disagree with what you think. Right? And so they despise that because they don't want anybody to take, to, to take a position on what's right. Because what's right to them is what they think. It's all subjective to how they feel. No, it's not. 
It's absolute. It's God declared what's true and what's right. You've got to come to that truth or you'll die and go to hell. And so these people, they're caught up in this mess and they get to a place where they, they're, because of their desire like Balaam to be popular and to be accepted and to have money and they're greedy and they're, they're let's go on and listen what else did they say. Look, now we could turn to Jude. Read Jude later. We've got to go on. The angels are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. What's that saying? They're no better than animals. These people are like animals. An animal, when an animal wants to do something, it just does it, right? As long as there's nobody standing in the way stronger, they'll just go mate with whatever and whoever. They'll just do whatever they want to, right? They don't have ration and logic and reasoning and conscience. They, that's not them. And, and God said these people are the same way. They reject all of that and they just operate in what feels good, what's in the flesh. They just do what they want to do. They have no respect for government. They have no respect uh, for God. They have no respect for the truth and they have no respect for you. They're, they're disobedient. They're rebels. And I wouldn't be fooling around with them, would you? They're going to take you the wrong way. They're natural brute beasts. They're made to be taken and destroyed. They speak evil of things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in what? Their own corruption. Now that's going to become important, but we gotta, we're, I'm wrapping it up with this. There's one place I want to go, and we'll come back and capture some of this. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to ride in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Boy, I can't cross over too much of this. I need to... I need to just mention just a little bit what, what this is talking about here as they that ride in the daytime. What's that showing? It's showing their lack of shame, right? Their, their willingness to do it. Uh, like one man said, what used to be in the closet is paraded up and down the streets in the open now. That's these people. They're not ashamed of what they're doing anymore. They're proud of it. They'll march up and down the streets and they'll have mock crucifixions of Jesus and, and say all kinds of ungodly blasphemous words about Jesus. And, and they're just, they, they, they have totally uh, 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 forsaken them, uh, their, their conscience to every degree. And um, they're, they're, they're literally like a bunch of animals out in the street. Does anybody watch those rides? When you see those people riding out in our street, you look at them and think they're just a bunch of animals. You got a man that's built a business, trying to protect his business, and they'll walk in and shoot him in the head, no matter what, he, so that they can steal a color TV. They're beasts, they're animals. White, black, purple, or pink, they're all animals. And as Jesus and the Bible tells us here, say, well, I don't keep friends with, with people like that. Well, here's something, I'm using them for an example, but they're not really the example. These people that Jesus is talking about here in this scripture are religious. See, they also sprinkle in a little religion. It's not atheists praying up and down the streets like that. So what he's really saying here is the, the, the true picture of what is being said. He said, these are people that are open about their sin. They're, they're, they're not ashamed of it in the least. They are, they're just like those that ride in the daytime. They, 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 they put it out there for the world to see. They're no longer ashamed of it. They're, in fact, they're very proud of it. And they actually, they've gone a step beyond that. And they're trying to get other people involved with them. That's these people. And then they'll say, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, hide behind some truth and some religious truth. And that's how they get. See, just like those universalists, they, they'll just, they'll call it a church. That's not a church. That's not a church. God births churches. Right? There's only certain, I mean, God, God declares what a church is. 
Just because a group of people gather together, uh, you know, like the Shriners, and, and, and want to claim that they're a church doesn't make them a church. And so I'm glad it's online. They're not a church. They're not got no part with me. They're not like me. We don't have the same father. We don't have the same doctrine. We don't believe the same Bible. We're in total opposite directions, and they're not in honest error. They're heretics. Mm-hmm. Now, there's one thing I want to see before we go home. I, I want to mention something here. It's very important. It was on my heart, and I really meant to get to it a lot quicker than this. So let me say something here. This is very important. They shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. They cannot, uh, cannot pleasure to ride in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves. Let's see, that, uh, that means, uh, let me just give you this quickly, to feast with loose and noisy jollid, jollity. Clamorous merriment. Oh, what does that mean? Well, basically that means that they're just living it up. You ever seen people like that? I mean, they're in open rebellion and sin, and they're, they're, they're not only uh, not ashamed of it, uh, they'll, they'll, come, they'll, they'll be out in the restaurants eating and dining and being around other people, and they're just laughing it up, having the time of their life. They're boisterous about it. They're happy about it. They're joyful about it. Hey, if you're a Christian, there is nothing joyful about your sin. Am I telling it right? I'm ashamed of it. <laughs> I've got them just like everybody else in here and just like everybody else online. Everybody else online. Right? You got them just like anybody. But I'm ashamed of it. These people are not ashamed of nothing. They are proud of it. Who are you to tell me, bless God? I'm right. That's the kind of attitude of these people. And they're having a, they're having a time of their life. And so um, he said, this, this is, they, they should be easy to spot for me and you, and they should be easy to avoid, these type of people. And so they're um, uh, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Now, I'm going to end on this verse right here, and we're going home. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Don't isolate one of those away from the rest of the verse. Be careful not to do that. All right, so let me just say this quickly and we'll go home. So, um, because a lot of people get hung up on that, and I mentioned it in the Sunday school hour, uh, cannot cease from sin. So let me just say it real quickly again. I want to say, uh, just because you have a sin that you've been dealing with and working on in your life, and God's trying to help you overcome, and you're in the prayer closet, and you're begging God to help you, that's quite different. That is not as what's being talked about here. They cannot cease from sin because they're not even trying to stop sinning. They enjoy what they're doing. And they want you to do it too because they've changed the truth and said, look, it's not really that true. Men wrote that Bible. That's what the universalists do. That's why they reject the Bible. I don't even know what they use, what they preach from. But they, I guess they don't preach. I guess they just get together and smoke pot together or whatever, whatever hippies do. But they certainly aren't worshiping around holy things and saying, hey, it's wrong to do this because they believe nothing's really wrong. Everything's okay. You, just, you can find God by searching within your own heart. <laughs> That's just dangerous. <laughs> I don't know anything more dangerous on planet Earth than statements like that. You better look way past your heart if you want to find God because he ain't in that filthy thing. Now, so I want to say something here. So having eyes full of adultery... Well, what does that mean? Okay, let me say this. Not, we won't turn there. Let me just have to quote it. Because I wanted to turn to Matthew 5. But so he says this. If a man look upon a woman, and I've never read this verse like this, Brother John. If a man look upon a woman to lust after her. There's a big difference in that 
and driving down the road or being out to eat or being somewhere and seeing something that any man's eye that's got blood running through his body is going to see. And I'm not making light of this now, so I want you to stay with me because I don't, I don't want to try to make it sound like it's not right. Because men, you might be given the first look, but you certainly aren't given the second. Right? Uh, so naturally, man, I mean, you can see things and they catch your eye. And so what, here's what a saved man would do. A saved man, uh, well, two different things that he would do. But number one, he might see that. And let's say he did have a thought he shouldn't have. You know what that man's going to do? He's going to get down and say, God, forgive me for that. God, forgive me for that. I should never thought that. God, I don't even know where that came from. Please help me to overcome that. And I'll tell you what, next time, I'm going to take a different way home. Right? That's a saved man for you. So you, you, you can't say, well, because my eye was drawn away and I saw something. No, that's not what's being said. He said, if a man looks with purpose and intent of his heart to lust after a woman. You know what that is? I can't get a good view. That's intention of looking so that you can see something to lust on it. That's what is being said there now. So I'm not making excuses now for any any of that, but I, I'm, I'm trying to give the reality of what is being said. And what is being said is these people that have an eye that is full of adultery, when they're around, I've eaten with people like this, and it's almost like it's uncontrollable for them. Every woman that walks in the door, they're watching them. I've seen them come into churches, and they eyeball every woman in the church. And in due time, they're going to get a boot on out this door because they're not welcome here. If you can't control your eyes and keep your eyes to yourself, you need to find somewhere else to go because I'm not going to put up with people staring down other people's wives in the Baptist church. Right? And so I've had that. I've been preaching and had a man, a preacher, sitting on this side staring at my wife. Thank God for grace. Now, let me not get funny here. I'm going to be serious about something. So, uh, I'm trying to wrap this up quickly, I promise. So, all right, so they have eyes full of adultery. So, you, you can't really put yourself into that by saying, well, I saw something, and even, even I had a thought, and I said, oh, God, help me with that. That's not what's being talked about here. It is a purposeful intent. It is a turn the computer on, get it running, get it running, get it, get it on, put your password in, pull up the, the website, type the website in, do the search that you shouldn't do, and look for pictures with the purpose and the intent to look at something you shouldn't look at. That is an eye that's got adultery in it. It's not a casual being out somewhere and see something. Man, ladies, I mean, men, they're just, they're, this is how we're programmed in a way. And so that, that's understandable. So let's go to David quickly, and I'm going to go, because I want, I want to help you. you uh, I've had you young men on my heart, and I want you to understand something. So they have an eye full of adultery. What does that mean? They uncontrollably stare at women in an ungodly way, with an ungodly intent in their heart. You ladies know what I'm talking about. You've had men look at you and you know it's an ungodly look. Taylor, you young ladies, if people look at you, you better get away from people like that. Amen. You can tell it how they look on you and how long they look at you and all that stuff. You young ladies will learn, I hope, to, to be able to read that kind of junk. These men are types of people that, and, and it's not just men, but I'm using men here, have an eye that's just full, it's controlling them. It's seized upon their mind. It's taken over and controlled to where here's, what, here's what's being said here. And I want, I want to help as, as much as I can. Here's what's being said. Here's what's wrong with these people. Their eye is following the beat of their heart. Okay? So here's what's happening. Their, their, eye, their eye is not the problem. Here, here's a saved man. 
God said, look, out of the heart, the Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So your eye is not the problem. If your eye becomes such a problem, your heart can't control it, pluck it out and throw it away. Because you'd be better to go on to heaven without it. So, what are you trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. Let's think about David. David, we know what happened to the story of David and Bathsheba, right? So David is when men should be at war, kings should be at war, and the Bible says, you know, David was not, and he woke up out of his sleep, and he went up and he got into a place, and then he saw something he shouldn't see. So what is being said about these men that have these eyes full of adultery? What is their real problem? They have a heart problem. They don't have an eye problem. Their eye is only going where their heart wants it to go. So can I say something here? You young men, your eye is not the stomach, your heart is. Your eye is a, is a fork. Your ears are a spoon. Your hands and feet are the knife. Feeding what your heart wants. That's why he said guard your heart, keep it with all diligence. Because if you get a heart, adultery was in the heart of David before his eyes ever saw Bathsheba. I believe that. Now, why? Because when he saw her, he didn't go over there and say, honey, I saw something I shouldn't see, and go tell that crazy woman to quit taking a shower where the whole world can see her. That's what a saved man would do. I've told my wife, go tell so-and-so to go put something on or get out of my house. Right? Now, if you've got adultery already in your heart, when your eye sees something, it's going to act upon where the heart is. It's going, to, it's going to follow. Your eyes will follow the beat of your heart. Your eyes are a symptom of the condition of your heart. That's why his eyes was looking upon her. It wasn't an accidental thing that he just saw it and turned away. What he did, one of two things. He was already purposefully planning to go up there and look on something because he knew he could get a good view. Or number two, he happened to see it and didn't cast down those imaginations and those thoughts and repent. He went and, and, and started thinking about it. Why? Because he already had adultery in his heart. That's what I believe. It didn't just come up when he saw it. David's heart should have been prepared for his eyes to see what they saw. That's how I believe. In that man's heart already was something. You read Psalm 51, tell me if I'm not right. God, David doesn't go to, go to God and say, God, help my eyes, fix my eyes, my eyes are a problem. No, he said, God, my heart's messed up. My eyes are just doing what my heart wants to do. So men, we got to be careful of this thing. We got to keep our heart. We're going to be out in the world. We're going to see things we shouldn't see. We're not even going to mean to see them. It's going to be just come across us because we live in an ungodly world. But we've got to prepare our heart long before our eyes see things they shouldn't see. So if you don't have a heart full of adultery, you won't have eyes that are seeking things out they shouldn't seek. Prepare your heart. You can overcome your eyeballs by preparing your heart. That's what this Bible teaches. If you're saved now, your eyes, young men, can see things that it shouldn't see by keeping a right heart. Now, that doesn't mean you keep looking at it now, okay? I'm just talking about things you encounter out in the world. You can overcome that stuff. Say, well, I can't when I see things like that. Oh, yes, you can. Keep your heart right with God. I, hey, I've been in plenty of places, Brother John. I've seen things I shouldn't see. You know what come to my heart? The first thing come to my heart. I feel sorry for that young lady. What a beautiful young lady she could be for God. Not a, not a thought comes from nowhere other than just pure and undefiled. 
That's what, that's what the Lord's able to do if you'll keep your heart. Now, how am I going to keep my heart? That's a good question. How does a man keep his heart? God, my heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, that's a lost man. God saves you. All right? And so we can use the heart to picture the flesh. But the heart of what you are has been regenerated. You are now a new creature in Jesus. The Bible said he gives you a new heart. So you are now told to keep that heart. And you've got to protect that new heart that you've been given. How am I going to do that? Well, oh, well, uh, we can, we, we need to look at this. We, we need to look at this. Turn quick and I'll, I'll, I'll say it fast. I'll, I'll, I'll be like an auctioneer. You won't believe it. Listen fast here. Psalm, Psalm 101. Here's what I'm I'm trying to say. The heart is what the problem is here with these people. They have eyes full of adultery because they got a heart that has adultery in it. They've got a heart that wants to do things like that. They have an unclean, ungodly, uh, perverted heart, and that eye is just acting out and revealing what's in their heart. You can see into the heart through the eye, where the eye's going. You can watch what... And that's what he's saying we need to know about ourselves. We, we need to properly assess the problem. So if I'm looking at things that I shouldn't look at, it's not because, oh God, my, heart, my eyes have got a problem. You've got a heart problem, friend. You've got adultery in your heart. You've got fornication in your heart. You've got a heart problem. So how am I going to fix that? You can't fix it. Are you kidding me? You brought me here to tell me I've got a problem I can't fix. Yeah. And I can't fix it either. But there's one who can and this is, what the, this is what men have learned to do through the years. And so can I just tell you something here? Now, I'm not saying that the ear and the eye don't affect the heart. They do. But don't get it backwards. Uh, most of the time, the eye's doing what the heart's told it to do. Right? So that doesn't mean if you continually put yourself in a place and you see things that it is going to affect the heart. Because they're, they're, they're intertwined. The thoughts and the heart and the eye and the heart, it's all connected. And so for you to keep your heart, you've got, to, you've got to guard your eyes, make covenants with your eyes and do things. All right, so in Psalm 100, number one, look at what he says. I'll sing of the mercy and judgment of thee. Oh, Lord, I will sing. I'll behave myself wisely in a perfect way. When wilt thou come unto me? Oh, there's so much I'd like to say here. But I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. How am I going to do that? I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. So your heart can keep your eyes right. Am I telling it right? You can purpose in your heart to keep your eyes right. And these people don't do that. Why do they have an eye full of adultery? Because there's nothing there that's telling them that they have no desire to do right. But so I'm dealing with something separate. I'm talking about for me and you. I want to encourage us to this. If you think about it, if David had made that resolution long ago and he had purposed in his heart to walk upright, if he had purposed in his heart to not let his eyes be exposed to things and to take his heart away from his wife, and that's why the Bible already calls her the wife of Uriah, because that wasn't his wife to have. He stole her. But anyway, he said this. Now, he said, if David, would, when he went up there, if this was just an accidental thing and we're going to blame the woman... How can you do that? How can you blame her and say, well, she shouldn't have been bathing that? Well, maybe she shouldn't. I don't know. But that gives no excuse for David to call her up there and and, and to have a child with her. 
No excuse, young man. You can say, well, that young lady wouldn't dress this way. I wouldn't look at her. There's no excuse in that. I'm tired of hearing that. If you'll make a purpose in your heart and get your heart right, it'll keep your eyes right, and you won't even look at her. Brother Larry Wells tells of that story, that man down at Brother Giddens that ended up when he was out there. And he, seen, he said there was a beautiful, and this is Brother Wells saying it. He said there was a beautiful young lady who went walking across the parking lot. He said she was beautiful. Everybody there couldn't hardly help look at her. And he said, I saw one young man stare right up into heaven. That's amazing to me. Larry Raines. Larry Raines said it. Am I right? Do you remember what I'm talking about, Brother Oliver? Do you remember him testifying to that? He told that story about a young man. And that, you know what that is? That's, that's not a man. That's a man who's got control of his heart. He's got his heart right with God. God has control of that heart. He has done to make the decision to give his heart to God. And so when that young lady come walking by and he was going to look at something he shouldn't look at, that man looked straight up into heaven. <laughs> that's, hey, that's good, ain't it? So, David saw something he shouldn't see. Maybe he wasn't even meaning to do that. I'm kind of the persuasion. I, I don't think he probably did. Uh, but there was still something in his heart that when his eye saw that, it drew, oh, it drew out what was already in there. That's what James teaches us about lust and sins. When a man's enticed and drawn away of his own lust, things that are already in there, he sees something and his eye draws out of his heart what's already there. It doesn't put something in there necessarily. It draws out what's already there. And that's how I feel about David. So what can we do? Take my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Let no wicked way, no, let no wicked thing get into my heart. You know, I want to be that kind of Christian this day. I want to set my heart before God and say, God, seal my heart for thy courts above. Let nothing wicked. So, so here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm not going to purposefully, intentionally set anything wicked before my eyes anymore. I'm not going to subject my ears to a bunch of field. I'm not going to put my eyes on this junk. You know there's things I'm going to come across, and I want you to help me in those weak times to overcome it, and God will. If you purpose that in your heart, God can help you keep your heart. Now, one last verse. Turn two pages over and read this verse. Boy, if I can, if I can even find where I, where I wrote it down. And we're going home. We're done. You believe that, don't you? Well, you should. I'm done. Look here. Lord, I cry unto thee. I was going to preach this. Unto me, give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. It's like Dr. McCormick said. Dr. McCormick said, on your, on your feet, you're an Arminian, but when you get on your knees, you become a Calvinist. Now, don't take that literally. What he was meaning was, you better work like everything depends on you, but you better pray like it all depends on God. God, here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying now, young man. Here's what he said. I'm, I'm going to keep my heart right with God. I'm going to keep my heart pure. I want to keep my heart out of it come the issues of life. And I want to keep my heart right. And I don't want my eyes to see something because if it does and it's in my heart and I'm enticed and opportunity meets desire, you've got a disaster. So what are we going to do here? I'm going to pray to the God of heaven. And God, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to, I want you to do some things for me. And here's what he asked him to do. Number one, he said, I want you to set uh, a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Boy, that'll destroy you, your mouth. 
Uh, but then he said, incline not mine heart. Don't let my heart lean towards any evil thing. Don't let my heart be drawn away of these things. Guard my heart. Help keep my heart, God. Now, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, on my feet, I'm going to do what i got to do. But God, I can't do it if you don't help me. That's what he's saying. Guard my heart. Guard my mouth. Let not evil think, let not my heart, incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break mine head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. Now we can go back to Second Peter, we're done. So, number 14 here is having eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin because that's what's in their heart. Uh, that's not a saved man here. These aren't, these aren't saved people that make mistakes. Hey, buddy, that's the best of us can end up like David. David's not Second Peter chapter 2, right? I mean, nobody would say that. So we certainly at any time could be subject to doing the same thing he did. Any of us could mess up. The best of us can make a mistake here. The best of us can fall that's not a one-time thing where, you know, you're caught in. That's not what's being said here. So let me just switch back to the context. The context is these people are filled with perversion and adultery in their hearts, and that's where their eyes go. So I just want to use that to help us as Christians, though. We have eye problems, too, and we have heart problems, too. So we have to depend upon God to help seal our heart, keep our heart, and then, God, I, if you'll help me, I will purpose to put nothing evil before my eye. I'm not going to seek this stuff out and look for it, right? And, um, and I'm going to guard my mouth. I'm, I'm going to try to keep my mouth, but God, you're going to have to help me. That's the heart of a Christian. So why do you say that? I just say that to say a lot of people have fallen, and they've read that verse, cannot cease from sin. And they, they think because that they have not uh, 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 stopped sinning that they're not saved. That is not what is being said in that verse. So don't, don't get into your mind. That is not what is being said there. Um, and you all know how I believe. I believe there's a changed life and there's fruit and all those things, but that's not what's being said there, right? So these people have a problem where they can't help but be what they are. They can't help the sin that's pouring out of them because that's what they are. And that's what he's going to manifest here. So people that are like that in your life, you stand to your feet, we're done. People that are like that in your life, these kind of people that are marked by flesh and, and, and adulteries and they're just, they're boisterous about it. And they're that, that, those are the kind of people that are being mentioned here. And we've got to be wise enough to mark them and stay away from them. According to, um, uh, well, several verses. I was going to go to Second Timothy. but So anyway, that'll help us. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for those that are here. Thank you for the good word of God. Thank you so much, Lord, for helping us. None of us even know ourselves. We, we don't even know our own heart. We don't. God, you never cease to amaze me how faithful you are to show us the truth about ourselves and about the world and God, I want to thank you right now for the Word of God that's helped keep us straight. And when we've gotten off the path uh, uh, and we've maybe made a mistake, uh, thank God for the light of the Word that's able to guide us back home. I thank you for the Word of God today. I pray for anybody here may be lost and anybody online may not know the Lord. I pray especially for them that they may come to the saving knowledge of the truth and believe upon Jesus Christ. Thank you for saving us and loving us. In your precious holy name, we love you. Amen. All right. Thank you so much that, uh, again, I've taken more time than I normally do, but I love you. We're going to let you go home. Thank you for being here. Be in prayer for those that we won't have any altar call or anything, Brother Reed. Um, we'll just go on home tonight, uh, today. And um, 
be ready to come back tonight. We'll have the same thing, 6 o'clock if you'd like to come. And then those of you that are not able to come and you're online, we'll, we'll be joining at 6 o'clock for the message tonight. Uh, Brother Jones will be preaching for us tonight. He's going to bring us the good word of God tonight. So you be praying for Brother Jones. I look forward to hearing Brother Jones tonight. Uh, preach the word. You'll certainly get some help for your soul. But we love you, and uh, we're going to let you go. Brother Shane, would you pray and dismiss us in a word of prayer, brother?